Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Good morning and a very, very happy Easter from the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. It's once again a, a wonderful time to spend and celebrate this joyous season uh, with the Most Reverend Ronald W. Gannon, the Bishop of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Bishop, as always, your ENC friend Michael Parks here, <laughs> and, uh, and and thank you so much for taking time out with us on this uh, most joyous day and season. You're most welcome, Michael. It's always a pleasure to have this conversation, so it's good to be with you and all of our listeners. It, it's it, And I always tell you this, what this means, and I don't know if, uh, if you know, and I know that when, when you go out and meet and greet with so many people uh, throughout the diocese in this huge region uh, that we make up the diocese, but uh, this means so much to a lot of people to have a sit down, and it's conversation, and it's also inspiration uh, about the things that we talk about, and especially as we celebrate Easter, maybe learn and maybe help you understand uh, this most joyous time of year, and maybe b- make it even brighter for you, especially for what's going on in in the world today. Um, you know, we're wrapping up Lent, and ju- you know, as we went through Holy Week and enter Holy Week, but before we talk about that. I know a topic on everyone's mind is Ukraine. At the end of March, Pope Francis consecrated Russia and Ukraine to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I know that you took part in that act. And I also understand the diocese is doing whatever they can, uh, as a lot of us are, to support the people of Ukraine through the Ukrainian Catholic of uh, uh, Philadelphia. Can you explain that, what that uh, has to do Surely, with... Surely, Michael. I, I, I did take part, as as I hope every bishop throughout the world was invited to do so, and at our cathedral at noon mass on the Feast of the Annunciation, March 25th, we, we had a mass. I was very impressed by the number of faithful who came out for that mass uh, to, as you say, consecrate uh, Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary and seeking her intercession to restore uh, peace uh, there in 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 Ukraine um, the first thing I would recommend, of course, is, is, is that we, we, we do need to continue to pray. That consecration was a highlight, but daily, constantly, we need to pray. I, we believe in the power of prayer, and what we need here clearly is a conversion. There's this hatred that's caused so much uh, death, violence, and destruction in Ukraine is a matter of a conversion of hearts. So we, we pray for the grace of that conversion uh, in the Russian leaders, especially uh, the president of Russia. Uh, and we pray, too, for all world leaders that they might find a, a peaceful resolution before this uh, violence even escalates uh, to a, a more tragic degree. Uh, here in the, the Diocese of Harrisburg, we, we are supporting the people of Ukraine, especially humanitarian efforts, uh, through the Ukrainian Archbarchy of Philadelphia. 
Um, the Archbishop there, uh, Archbishop Boris Gudziak, uh, spent over 30 years of his life. He's, he's born in the United States, but spent over 30 years of his life in the Ukraine. So it's, he, he's very, very connected there. And I, I thought the best way was to channel our charity uh, through uh, their efforts, because they know exactly where, where the, the, the money needs to be directed. So our parishes, all of our parishes have been encouraged uh, to take up a collection, and uh, those funds will go through the Ukrainian uh, Catholic Archeparchy of Philadelphia and, and then channeled where they're most needed. Uh, I, I heard the story of one of our parishes already took that collection up. It's a small parish, and they got over $25,000 uh, for that uh, relief. for the. So it's it clearly so heavily on all of our hearts. Uh, the other aspect of this, we, we stand prepared, if, if we have the opportunity, to do some resettlement of refugees from Ukraine. Uh, you know, those people are carefully vetted by the U.S. State Department, and uh, we're able, and we have been over the years, resettling refugees, getting, getting them into to homes, getting them jobs, getting them settled into here in, in a place of, of peace and harmony for them because they, they have to flee for their lives from their own country. So we're hoping if, if we're invited and have the opportunity, we're prepared to be able to set, settle um, uh, some uh, Ukrainian refugees here in the territory of our 15 counties of the Diocese of Harrisburg. When you use the term, maybe you could put this in terms we can all we can understand, use the term consecrated Russia and Ukraine to the Blessed Virgin Mary. What does that basically mean? It's, it's, a, it's a, a very solemn prayer uh, in which we invoke the uh, intercessory power of Mary to direct her intercession precisely to the restoration of peace. Uh, Pope St. John Paul II actually did that in union with the bishops of the world in 1984. Uh, it's connected, of course, to the... Uh, uh, the mystery of the visions of our Blessed Mother at Fatima. And uh, Mary directed at that time, at the beginning of the 20th century, to uh, those, um, uh, the children of Fatima that uh, Russia should be consecrated to the Blessed Mother. So it's, it's a solemn prayer invoking the powerful intercession of the Mother of God. And, 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 and you know, and I think you may have answered some of this, but this has been a, a question that's been going on uh, throughout all time and all creation. Um, when things like this happen, bad things, tragic things, and we know what's been going on in the world, and, and so many people um, say to themselves who believe in God and say, you know, how can God let such bad things happen to, to good people? And, and I'm sure um, a lot of our parishioners have come to their, you know, their priest, and, and, and people come to you and ask the same thing. How do you answer a question like that? Well, I think we might ask the same thing as we, as you mentioned, we were preparing to celebrate, we entered a Holy Week and Good Friday. Where was God on Good Friday when his own son hung on the cross and, and died on the cross for us? So many times we, we think God has abandoned us when we see suffering and, suffering and violence and death. But I think Good Friday reminds us that God is in the middle of it. He, he is there to accompany us in that suffering. He, he can't prevent or override human free will. This, this tragic, tragic situation is a free choice being made uh, uh, to inflict and invade Ukraine and inflict this uh, suffering on the people and destruction on the land. Uh, and my, my answer to that is God is right there in the midst of that suffering. Um, he, he hasn't abandoned us. It's not a punishment that he's sending upon the people, uh, but rather just as, as our Lord himself is on the cross on Good Friday, uh, God is with us in every suffering. 
uh, and and he wants to turn that suffering into into new life. Um, I think that's the best way that we we can look at it through the eyes of our our Christian and our Easter faith. Yeah, and I think that you you brought up a good point. Uh, he allows us free will, and if we choose to do that, then that is one of the things that we we decide to do. The situation in Ukraine it it, it is certainly heart-wrenching to watch especially with all the the photos and, and we're living in a time now where everything can be filmed we never had this situation in in a war or a world war before where cameras and everything were, were showing the devastation and the death that's going on but it's uplifting to know that the diocese and the people of the diocese are working together to provide aid as you mentioned before and speaking of working together uh what's going on with this this synod that i keep hearing about well, yes, it, it, it's a, a word that uh, is, is an ancient word in the church, but one that we haven't used too, too very often, at least in the Latin uh, Catholic Church. Um, but it, it, when you say uh, working together, it, the, the very word synod comes from two Greek words, and it means together on the road or together on the way. And uh, last October, October 2021, Pope Francis uh, announced uh, uh, an initiative uh, called for a synodal church, communion, participation, and mission. So it's a two-year process that he's invited us to uh, embrace, uh, calling together uh, the Catholic faithful, all clergy, religious, and laity, uh, to listen, to dialogue, to uh, discern, and, and to pray uh, with each other. The goal here is, is, is not to come up with some new programs or pastoral plan. We, we have that. Christ has given us the plan. But rather, the, the goal of the, the synodal process is to be present with each other, to listen to each other, to learn from each other, and grow closer uh, to Christ and to uh, one another in his body, the church. So uh, parishes uh, throughout the diocese are hosting consultations or, or listening sessions, and they're gathering feedback. What, what are the real sentiments, the thoughts of the faithful on a, on a, a wide range of, of topics that were provided by the Vatican, uh, topics such as, you know, who are we as a church? What, what does it mean to be Catholic? Um, how how do we uh, listen? Are, are we a listening church? Uh, how do we communicate the good news to the world around us? Uh, how do we speak about our faith? Um, we're discussing our divine worship. Uh, what what is our experience at mass? And in general, the, the co responsibility of all the baptized for the church's mission. So we, we have all these topics uh, on our diocesan website, and I invite our listeners, especially uh, you. You can submit your feedback uh, on these various themes through our website, and I invite our listeners to take up that opportunity. Once all of the, the listening sessions or the synodal sessions are complete, um, the, the diocese will compile them here at our offices, and then we'll, we'll send them on uh, a kind of a, a, um, a condensed version of what we've heard to the uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops in Washington, and, and that feedback will be received from all the dioceses. And then eventually they'll compile everything that was sent to them, and they'll be sent to the appropriate office at the Vatican. And then the, the synod, uh, synodal process concludes in October of 2023, so October of next year, uh, with the 16th Ordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. Uh, so I certainly encourage, once again, our, our listeners to participate in this important process by either attending one of the listening events at, at your parish or by submitting your thoughts and your hopes, your concerns for the church on the diocesan website.
It's kind of like a, uh, a Facebook uh, to find out what's going on, but hopefully um, more civil because, you know, you know Bishop, and as, as we all know, uh, the social media and the Internet can be a good thing, but it can also be a, a bad thing. But, but opening up uh, these doors, and, and as you mentioned, there's nothing better than a good sit-down, face-to-face uh, with, with people to learn about the needs and the concerns of what's going on in the diocese. It's, uh, it's good for the heart. It is. Yeah. It is. And, you know, having been deprived of a lot of in-person opportunities right. by COVID, I think our, our, our folks are really ready to get to come together in person, as you say, face-to-face, and have these serious discussions and, and, and listening, too, to one another's concerns and thoughts. You know, Bishop, I understand that recently, on March 19th, you celebrated your eighth anniversary as the Bishop of Harrisburg. And it's needless to say, it's certainly been a challenging several years. But as you reflect back on this time, what do you think have been uh, your best accomplishments thus far? And also, let's talk about some of your biggest challenges. Well, the, let's do the challenges first and get them off the table uh, <laughs> because they, they were significant. Certainly the, the, uh, uh, the sexual abuse crisis was a major, major challenge uh, during my time here as it as it uh, broke uh, locally and, and in the state. Um, our, our bankruptcy uh, of the diocese, we're, we're very near the end of that process, I, I, I hope, thank God. Um, and, of course, COVID was, was a, a major challenge to uh, navigate uh, during, during these last um, two years. Um, but I, I'd rather focus on, on accomplishments. And when I say accomplishments, I don't mean that they're my accomplishments. I, I've been blessed with wonderful co-workers here. And my vision of the diocese is that we exist to support our parishes. The parish is where the rubber meets the road. That's where the faith will gather for worship, for uh, catechesis, for service to the local communities and those in need. And so the diocese needs to be a, a, a resource uh, and help give direction uh, and empower uh, our parish communities. And I'm very happy to say that o- over these, these years, we've been able to add wonderful, wonderful staff here uh, to uh, the diocesan offices to kind of build up parts of the area, uh, parts of our office uh, staff that had over time somewhat you know, deteriorated with people leading, leaving and not being replaced. So my, my main thing is, my main hope is that um, that we're here to serve the faithful, the clergy, the religious in, in our parishes. And um, I, I think we're, we're in a better place today than we were uh, maybe a few years ago. Um, just some examples of that. We, we just had uh, 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 very recently the, the Diocesan Men's Conference. That's an annual event now. It was sporadic in the past. And having it every year, we have a, a wonderful buildup. And it's a great day of fraternity for men to come together and, and, and learn together, have a, a great dis- you know, time to listen and discuss things with one another. We have the Diocesan Women's Conference annually, um, a catechetical conference. So the, these are, are wonderful opportunities provided by the staff here uh, at, the, uh, at the diocese. Another area I think that uh, we, we need to uh, recognize is the, the, the good number of men we have who are in formation to the priesthood. Uh, one of the bishop's uh, responsibilities is, is to provide for the, the, the future um, needs of the church regarding priests. 
And uh, a survey just came out from a national office that monitors vocations, and we're one of, in the top 13 uh, oh. dioceses in the United States regarding what they call a healthy position, the, the number of men in formation, uh, the number of parishes that are, are uh, that have a, a single priest pastoring them. So uh, that, that's a great, um, I think, compliment to our faithful and the, the number of vocations that we have. God willing, we'll, we'll have five ordinations to the priesthood uh, this coming June. One, one other thing I'd point out regarding accomplishments, and that is our, our communications office, kind of what we're doing here, is something we, we've, we've done for a while, but we've really tried to increase our, our presence in social media and do different kinds of programming to get the good news. News, uh, of uh, of the Catholic faith and and the Gospel of Christ uh, out at, uh, uh, you know, just in a, in a more uh, in a fuller way uh, in ways that uh, where we know the, the the general public are and using these uh, means of communication I think we're we're doing it in a more robust way today. Yeah, we Bishop, uh, we're, we're we're fine. You and I are around the same age. We're mm. we're good to have young people like Jordan here. That's right. Younger yes. people who know about social media Indeed. and be able to get that uh, that word out. You know, when I talk to the the the, the colleagues at uh, Catholic Charities and many of the charitable organizations here in our region, and there's so much heartache and and things that go on, but every single day they come back to work. Um, like you, even despite all the challenges that you faced over these last eight years, what are some of the things like when you wake up in the morning and say, you know, I, I really am looking forward to this day, this week, uh, or, or the, is it the people that you meet, or what is it that it keeps is, you going? Well, it, it is the opportunity. I, I say my favorite time, when sometimes children will ask me, what's your favorite thing about being a bishop? <laughs> and it's being out of the office. You know, it's, it's being in our parishes, in our schools. I, I just completed the visit to all of our high schools, and we have a, a special assembly, and I, I speak to uh, all the seniors who are getting ready to transition from high school into the next uh, level of education, and I talk to them about trying to keep their Catholic faith on campus, uh, and uh, it, it's a great interaction. I enjoy that very much, but my, my joy, what, what, what energizes me is to being out among the, the faithful of our diocese, so in parishes, in schools, wherever some of our institutions, uh, to be present, uh, to get pe- people get to know me better and, and me get to know them better. Uh, and again, uh, the bishop mentioned some of the, the men's and women's events and any of the events that are going on in the diocese. You can learn more details about those when they happen and uh, reserve your space by going to the website hbgdiocese.org. When I used to live uh, over this way and and I used to drive past the, the diocesan offices here on Union Deposit Road at Christmas and Easter. I always glanced up, and it was so inspirational to see some of the messages on the board. Just drive past uh, this, this complex. And, and if you're lucky enough and you come by and you visit the offices, then it's, 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 it's quite inspiring. But um, I noticed when I walked into the diocesan center today, uh, the display cases in the reception area they all seem to have a Eucharist theme. Can you tell us more about that? Surely, and, and they do indeed. You you can, you can't miss those large display windows when you when you enter into the uh, diocesan center. And uh, the the most recent display that we have there has been put together to emphasize this initiative of the United States uh, Catholic bishops um, that we approved uh, last November at our plenary meeting in in Baltimore, and and that is a program of Eucharistic revival. 
um, the development of this this Eucharistic revival is due in part to a, a Pew Research study was done back in 2019, and it, it suggests, and I, we have to take, I think, studies with a, a grain of salt, but nevertheless, the study suggests that only maybe one-third of U.S. Catholics truly believe the Church's teaching about the Eucharist, that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ, the real presence of the living, risen Jesus. That's a very central truth of Catholic faith, and uh, the study seems to show that it's been diluted uh, in, in the lives of many, many people. So this Revival is to try to restore, rekindle a, a Eucharistic understanding and a Eucharistic amazement, as uh, uh, Pope St. John Paul II uh, wrote about, a Eucharistic amazement. Uh, the revival officially be, begins June of this year, June of 2022, uh, with a diocesan phase, and then it will continue for three years. The, the second year, it is a parish phase, and then the third year, a national phase. So during the first year, every diocese is encouraged to hold events and activities that have the Eucharist as a primary focus. Um, starting next July, July of 2023, parishes will be encouraged to do the same kinds of things. So the those events might include uh, catechesis on the Eucharist, um, uh, teaching on the parts of the Mass, our, 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 our official uh, divine, our highest form of worship, uh, small group formation programs, those sorts of things in each of our parish communities. And then finally, in July of 2024, uh, the revival program will culminate with a nationwide Eucharistic Congress uh, that will be held in, in July in Indianapolis. And uh, we're asking the Catholic faithful to come together from throughout the United States uh, to, to honor and to celebrate uh, the, 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 the amazing gift Christ has given us in the sacrament of the Eucharist. The purpose, again, is, is, is not to create new documents. There is a, a document that the bishops have approved, a teaching document regarding the Eucharist. But really what we want to do is to foster a deeper devotion, a, a true amazement, knowledge, and understanding uh, about the Eucharist throughout uh, the Catholic Church here in the United States. Um, COVID actually delayed plans for the revival, and I think the challenges we face because of the pandemic, uh, because we temporarily even closed our churches for a time, ha have made the effort even much that much more important. You know, that's it's one of the great things that I, I've learned in, in uh, you know, my 60-some years of, of life and attending Mass. And so many times we, we sit during the service and kind of take for granted we, we we say the prayers and and do the, uh, the the procedure of the mass kind of like rote memory and don't really think about it but there's so many times when I just sit there and either when the priest was doing the homily or something to explain certain things the mass is 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 somewhat of an education and this this Eucharist uh, display and and service is kind of like that. It's you know we're always learning. I think we need to take that time to uh, to learn more about what we say, what we pray, and what we do as part of of being a Catholic. Don't you think? Absolutely, I do, Michael. Yes, yeah. and you know as you say, we can always learn more. Uh, these. Um, you know, uh, supernatural mysteries are so packed with meaning that we'll never exhaust that meaning. Uh, there's always more to understand, uh, uh, just more gold to be mined as we uh, study uh, and think about these beautiful gifts that the Lord has given us. The, um, the most important part of, 
of any of our, our, our lives and making enriching our lives uh, and especially getting through the tough times, uh, be it war, be it personal suffering, illness, disease, and also uh, the COVID situation, in fact, too, was, was keeping our, our, our faith. Um, faith is, is so strong with me that, uh, you know, I rely on it and, and pray, and it is, has shown a light for me and for so many others uh, to help get through the tough times, and there always would be tough times in our lives. Do you think that COVID has had a negative effect or a positive effect on the faithfulness of people? Well, uh, my experience, Michael, is that uh, uh, things like the pandemic and, and various crises uh, tend to increase uh, faithfulness because they, they kind of are a wake-up call, I think, in our lives to remind us of our, our vulnerability and the illusion that we sometimes have that we're in control of things. And something like the pandemic or, or other crises uh, kind, kind of slaps us in the face and say, hey, hey wake up, you, you are not in control and you are dependent. So uh, in, in that sense, I think uh, the, it, COVID has a, a, a positive effect regarding faith and, and turning to God uh, and, and acknowledging our dependence upon God. There was, of course, a, a negative effect in, in part regarding COVID, and that was that it, it prevented us from gathering for worship for a time. And there still are people, um, and we, I mean, we have to honor that, but they're timid about coming together in person. Uh, uh, that there's that reluctance on the part of some of the faithful. So it's, it's going to take some time uh, till we, we get back, and I hope even grow beyond where we were pre-COVID times in, in terms of the faithful participating in, in mass and in the other uh, ministries and opportunities that all of our parishes provide. Holy Week, one of the holiest times for the Catholic Church, and one of the days during this week is Holy Saturday of the Easter Vigil, and I understand this is also a day during the year when people are welcomed into the Catholic faith. Faith, uh, talk to us about that. Surely, uh, and that is true. Uh, the the Easter Vigil, the the great liturgy that's held on uh, the uh, at, when it gets dark on Holy Saturday, leading us into the the great celebration of Easter Sunday. That that's been called the mother of all liturgies. It's it's a rather, for for the Latin Church, it's a long liturgy. But within that Easter Vigil, we celebrate the initiation sacraments. So these are people who have never been baptized. Uh, who are not Christian, but have have been uh, have chosen to join us in the Catholic uh, Church, and so so during that vigil, the initiation sacraments will be received. They are they'll be baptized. They'll receive the sacrament of confirmation, the full gift of God, the Holy Spirit, and then for the first time, they'll be welcomed at the Eucharistic table. They'll make their first Holy Communion. So uh, this is a very ancient practice from the early centuries of the Church. That Easter Vigil was the time to bring people into the Church who had never been baptized. So so this year, there are well over 100 people. Wow. We we gathered on the first Sunday of Lent at the cathedral, and they were uh, they're called catechumens. They're preparing to come in to, for, for the sacraments of initiation. But at that ceremony, uh, they became the elect, the chosen by God to uh, come to uh, full communion with the Catholic Church. There's another group of people, and I don't even have a, a number on that because this happens all year long, and those are baptized Christians who uh, chose 
to ch- chose to come into full communion with with the Catholic Church. So that can happen at any time during the year. But Easter, uh, the the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday, is the time for the the complete Christian initiation of those who are coming into the church. Um, we talked about how people question God and His mercy and His decisions and and how bad things happen to good people. Um, there are a lot of people too because just the way times have changed. Uh, social media and so much more uh, have have been lost from the church, lost their faith. How can we encourage people that are inactive to become rejuvenated in that faith? Well, I I, th- I think the the best response I can give to that question, and it's a very important one. And you're right about people who have uh, disaffiliated, as they uh, as often said, they 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 are spiritual but not religious. Um, I think the best way is personal invitation. Um, you know, it, it, to just invite someone, whether it's a family member, um, s- someone, a co-worker, but invite them to come to your church, uh, to come back to their church. Uh, and I think that that personal um, invitation is the most effective, the most fruitful way. Um, we, we can do all kind of, uh, you know, advertisements and uh, ads and things like that, but the, the personal calling on, on someone and, and, and that genuine invitation, I, I think, uh, bears the, the, the greatest results. Uh, we have a program, we, we've done some training, and we have a number of parishes that are uh, uh, having a, uh, what's called street evangelization, and that's your, you go down to the middle of town and, and just walk up to people and ask them. Uh, would they be interested? Can I pray for you? Uh, and it, there's an amazing results with with strangers. Uh, people will say, "Oh, I, I was hoping," or you know, that it, it, people are just wow. astounded at the response that come from from those that they approach for the street evangelization. So there are m- many many ways to do it, but my my I, I just believe it's that personal invitation to come back to practice the faith. As we wrap up our time together. What is your Easter message for the people of our area and the Diocese of Harrisburg this year? Well, as we've been talking about, we're we're about to enter into the three holiest days of the year, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then the Easter Vigil leading to the 50 days of of Easter. What we're celebrating here, Michael, is is new life through the death of Christ on the cross. And uh, when we look at our our Lord, uh, we, we see there the perfect love that God has for us, and love always involves sacrifice. Um, it, 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 they, they are inseparable. Uh, we know that our, our, the married life and family life, the, the love at the, at the root of marriage and family life is sacrificial. You, you've got to lay down your life for the others. Uh, and, and so love without sacrifice becomes self-indulgence. It's just license. So love and sacrifice are inseparable. And I, I think, I hope my Easter message would be that we, we, we stand again in awe of how much we are loved by God who paid such a price for our salvation on Good Friday and then the joy of his victory over that sacrificial death on Easter Sunday. And I hope that Easter will awaken in all of us a deeper love for God and a deeper love for one another. Bishop, as we uh, approach Holy Week, 
um, a, a, you know, a lot of us have grown up in in the church, and we know what we're supposed to do. And and but uh, so many different people prepare differently uh, for this for this time. What what is the uh, the the proper thing, or, or maybe some advice on on how to get ready for Easter during this this Holy Week, which is approaching us? Well, you know, in the history of the church, I think that the church's wisdom has given us the forty days of preparation. So it's it's not just uh, what do we do the day before Easter, but we we've, we've had the season of Lent. Uh, when we were asked to kind of intensify uh, those uh, spiritual uh, dimensions that should be a part of our life all the time. But, but in Lent, maybe they, they, they're just increased. And th- those are prayer, uh, fasting, and charity. And, and those, those really, if, if, we, if we try to incorporate those into our lives, uh, they're the surest and best, uh, I think, most fruitful uh, preparation so that our hearts are, are changed, that, that we are different when we enter into the celebration then of Easter. So Lent has been that time for, uh, as it's called, purification and enlightenment. If, if we really sincerely practice those, that, that tripod, that spiritual tripod of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, it, we're changed by, by the grace of God. And, and then we truly can uh, have a, a more joyful uh, celebration of the resurrection of Christ. When we celebrate Easter and we see Easter and I was walking, <laughs> taking my morning walk and I walked past a, a home and there was a cross there. Three words. He is risen. Mm. Three words. What do those... Why do you, all you need is three words? What? But that that does sum up the the Easter mystery, the Paschal mystery. Um, you know, uh, when our Lord died on the cross, he was cross. He was uh, placed in a tomb, sealed with rock was put, and and most people thought that was the end. You know, it's, it's over now. He he lost. He fought City Hall, and uh, and he was crushed. Uh, and on the third day, however, the 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 truth is, the fact is. The historical reality is that he defeats death and rises from the dead. And, and, and in Christ, the risen Lord, we're, we're not just faced with an empty tomb, uh, but we're faced with the, the resurrection appearances as they're described in the gospel. And so our Lord comes uh, to those who were his companions during his, uh, his uh, earthly mission, and, and they, they have this experience of the one who was dead and is now risen from the dead. And, and that, that certainly is the source of, of, of hope and, and confidence in the face of every suffering for, uh, for a Christian. And you know, we look at this, the world that God created and this, the, the, the joy of spring, the rebirth, um, plants that were dead, dying, coming back. Nobody asked why. The trees bloom. Uh, the birds uh, have birth and have babies. This this whole thing about spring and Easter this is is rebirth a, a, a good way to describe it for like for all of us how what Easter impacts all of us. I, I think so too. Yeah, and, and of course Easter and Vasa, we were saying uh, that the sacrament of baptism. Uh, the, the Easter is a time when we renew our baptism. You go to Mass on Easter. There's the sprinkling rite. Uh, after we renew our baptismal promises, and baptism truly is a rebirth. You know, we're we're born into the world, and then we're born into the body of Christ through the the waters of of baptism. So, as as you're saying, nature itself uh, proclaims the the mystery of Easter by the 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 new life that surrounds us all in nature is a reminder to us of the new life that was won for us by the death and resurrection of our Lord. 
when I, I told you, you know, tell you all the time, like when, when I attend mass and be it for that one hour out of the week, it's an escape and to just relax and, and again, refresh uh, the entire week. And it's an escape uh, for, for all of us. Uh, we have a lot of listeners right now who aren't Catholic, uh, but they're Christians. And I think if you can talk about this, the importance and, and the joy of actually attending church and an Easter service. Surely. Well, it's, it is, Chris, uh, in, in most of our parishes and, and other Christian worship services, the, the, the music itself is, is so uplifting. Mm. The, 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 the hymns of Easter are, are just exultant uh, re- regarding uh, the mystery of Christ's uh, resurrection. And so it, it, it just lifts our minds and our hearts. But, you know, any day of the week when, when we celebrate the Eucharist, um, it, it's heaven on earth. Uh, because Christ is really present there. We, 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 we listen uh, at the uh, altar of his word, uh, at the proclamation of scriptures, and perhaps a, a homily is given on it. And, but then we come to that point where, where the risen Christ is present among us in the, in the mystery of the Eucharist. Heaven, heaven and earth are joined together on that altar, uh, and, and we're lifted up into that realm. And it's also as St. Thomas Aquinas told us, a foretaste of eternity. Uh, We hope to, uh, God willing, uh, and if we live as faithfully as we can, to enter into the eternal banquet of heaven. And so the Mass, the, the banquet of the Eucharist, is a foretaste of how we hope to spend eternity. All of those things, I think, ought to motivate us not to drift away from Mass, but but to be present uh, to the celebration of this beautiful mystery. There are so many people right now who are alone, feel alone, dealing with stuff that's going on in their lives. Uh, your advice for those people during this most joyous, where you know we are uh, portraying this as the most joyous time of the year, for those people who are alone, older, in hospitals, senior centers, maybe listening uh, to this broadcast, uh, your advice for them? I, I would I would just say, and, and I, I understand uh, we all at times and sometimes uh, very deeply feel the sense of isolation or abandonment, aloneness, as you described it. And I, I think there we really need to uh, uh, focus upon uh, the words of our Lord. You know, he he, he said that uh, I I will I will not leave you orphans. I, I will. He, even though he was going away at the ascension, he said, "I will always be with you." And and I think in in our minds, in, in our hearts, to attend to that presence of Christ, he he does not abandon uh, his faithful. Uh, and and so while we may feel isolated and separated from other family members and friends, um, we we can be assured uh, that Christ accompanies us in in every situation. And I hope that those who, listening who are in that situation of isolation or aloneness uh, will will attend to the promise of Christ and the presence of Christ in their lives. And as we approach Holy Week, what is on the bishop's calendar? I mean, how will you uh, mark, celebrate uh, Holy Week and Easter Sunday? Well, because we begin with Palm Sunday, uh, and we'll, we'll, I'll be at the cathedral for the 930 uh, solemn liturgy there, commemorating our Lord's triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. Um, and, and then uh, Holy Thursday, the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Well, actually, Monday uh, is the Chrism Mass, mm. which is a very special uh, celebration where the, the holy oils are all 
the uh, blessed and the sacred chrism is consecrated uh, for the sacramental use throughout the coming year. And then on Holy Thursday, the Mass of the Lord's Supper and the, the washing of feet, uh, a, a, a commemoration of what our Lord did and took in that humble uh, service for his apostles. Good Friday, the, the solemn commemoration of our Lord's death on the cross. And then, as we've already discussed, the Easter Vigil, uh, where uh, the, the sacraments of uh, initiation will be celebrated and, and the uh, Alleluia will ring out for the first time since Ash Wednesday in the joy of Christ's resurrection. And I'll be back at the cathedral on, on Sunday, Easter Sunday morning uh, to celebrate the 930 uh, liturgy. What's it like holding Mass at the cathedral? I mean, do you notice, do you look out amongst people and see everything that's going on? Do you see faces? Glorious. Yeah, the environment, of course, is so magnificent. Our, our cathedral is a beautiful, beautiful church. And uh, with with the, uh, the, the music uh, and uh, the, the solemnity of that, it, it, it is just so uplifting. I, I, uh, it, 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 I, it's hard to describe. Even it never gets old. No, it doesn't. No, it no. doesn't. No, it, it doesn't. And to see the faces of, of the, 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 the people who are gathered, the families, uh, uh, it's 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 just a, a wonder. It makes it makes for a wonderful celebration. Well, Bishop, again, thank you so much for your time, your inspiration, and uh, brightening up this most most holy time of year. It's always a pleasure to have a sit down with you, and I hope our our listeners and I know they do. They enjoy this time together as we we celebrate these most joyous seasons. So, thank you again. You're most welcome, Michael. I'm Michael Parks, and for Bishop Gaynor uh, from the Roman Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg, a very very happy and blessed Easter. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.